Funding for Elwood City Limits is provided by Christopher Ifill, Ian Collis, John Dulong, Josias Melendez, Leanne S., Light Relentless, and Poolside123. If you'd like to support the podcast and get a little something for your trouble, go to patreon.com slash elwoodcitylimits. Hmm. Terry Rozier, a more clutch player in the finals than Kyrie Irving? I mean... It's kind of a hot take. Kristaps, they should, the Knicks should trade Kristaps Porzingis? I, I, I don't know. Oh, hello. I didn't see you there. I'm Lucas Mancini of the Elwood City Limits podcast. Welcome to my humble abode. Uh, while you're here, I'd just like to remind you that Elwood City Limits is recorded in beautiful Halifax, Nova Scotia by the ocean. And Halifax, Nova Scotia has their best of Halifax awards that you can vote in. From June 1st to July 15th, and what do you know, as this podcast is recorded in Halifax, it's eligible for the best podcast from Halifax. All you have to do is go to bestofhalifax.com, scroll down to the media section, and type in Elwood City Limits as your nomination for best podcast. You can even write a little blurb about why you think it's the best it would be really great if you're a fan of Elwood City Limits to head on down to bestofhalifax.com and nominate us. Thanks! Funding for Elwood City Limits is brought to you by Facebook. Facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits. Twitter. At ECL Podcast. Tumblr. ElwoodCityLimits.tumblr.com. Email. ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. And by contributions from listeners like you. Literally at elwoodcitylimits.libson.com. Thank you. Cha-ching, cha-ching, baby. (laughs) Well, when I wake up in the morning and the alarm gives out a warning, I don't think I'll ever make it on time. And Lucas, by the time I grab my books and I give myself a look, I'm at the corner just in time to see the bus fly by. It's all right, because, I mean, you must be saved by the bell. Mr. Uh-huh. Saved by the bell over here. Well, I uh, I wonder what the teacher's going to look like this year. <laughs> it's back to school, baby! Yeah, for real. I mean, and this is something, I mean, this is very interesting. Here on... Uh, Elwood City Limits, the episodic Arthur podcast. It's been a little while since uh, the two of us have kind of spoken, and I completely forgot. Lucas Mancini, you're going back to school. That's right. I am what they call an academic. I'm knee deep in academia. I'm I'm I am a, 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 a just a regular degular schoolboy. I got my my back hurts from lugging these books around. I'm Going to classes. I got my pencils, my papers, my my five star binder, if you will. I'm back in it, much like Arthur and the gang. I have I now can appreciate the show at a whole new level. You can almost appreciate it back at like the the level it was meant to when we first discovered it. You're because today you got out of class and then you went home and immediately watched Arthur. Exactly. Exactly. It's 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 it. You know how people go to like fantasy baseball camp where they basically pretend they're a professional baseball player. Sure. Um, I'm basically going to fantasy eight year old camp where <laughs> I pretend I'm an eight year old and go to school all day and then come home and watch an episode of Arthur. 
What's what's for dinner for uh, eight-year-old fantasy camp tonight? Well, it's funny because when I got home, I ate Ritz crackers and cheese, believe it or not. <laughs> I totally, that was like, I got home snack, but I made it. Now, it's crackers and cheese that I purchased myself. Yes. Uh, which doesn't really fit with the whole eight-year-old thing, but that's, that's basically what I've had to eat so far this afternoon. So it's kind of funny. I didn't even do that on purpose. I love it. Uh, well, yes, everybody, welcome back. After uh, you know, side episodes and recap episodes, we're finally ready to start season five of Arthur. That's Lucas Mancini, of course, and my name is Will Young. Uh, happy back to school, everybody, since this is taking place at the beginning of September, and I know that uh, a lot of our listeners are at some level of education. I'm uh, just plugging away, plugging away at work, just living the working man's lifestyle, and. Uh, Playing some Fire Pro Wrestling World. Nice. You're, in fact, you're in the, you're, the school you're attending is the New Japan Dojo. That's right. In fact, I've got uh, I've got it running in the background now. I'm simulating a uh, a league to decide the IWGP Heavyweight Champion. Very exciting. Yeah, and I'm I, speaking of exciting. I'm excited to get into this. You know, it's I was a little bit a little bit rusty when I was taking notes on this episode of Arthur. Uh, that we're going to talk about here. So I'm really pumped to get back into the swing of things now that we have a handle on your schedule and all this kind of good stuff. Let's do it. So this is indeed Season 5 of Arthur. Now, before we get into the details of everything... Yeah, I was just going to say, before we get into the nitty-gritty, I know there's a pre-roll ad, um, (laughs) but I just want to say this episode is probably going to come out on the final day of voting for Best of Halifax. You've heard us talk about this for almost two months now. Uh, but make sure if you haven't already, it's as simple as going to bestofhalifax.com, uh, scrolling down to news and media, and voting for Elwood City Limits to be the best podcast. I, I know you've probably heard us talk about it a million times, but this is quite literally the last day, the episode, the, the day this episode comes out. So it's your last chance to support the podcast if you haven't already. It would mean the world to us. We get to go to a nice fancy gala, uh, and that would be awesome. Yeah, and we want to say a special thank you to everybody who has taken the time to vote for us and uh, spread the word about Elwood City Limits. And then uh, pretty much this will probably be going up on the Saturday, which means you have oh. until... Uh, you might have missed it then, because I think tomorrow well, is the, the Friday's no, the 15th. I'm, oh, no! It's Saturday It's Saturday at midnight. Saturday's the last day. So, so yeah, when this goes up, get your vote out there, please. Yeah, and then and then only time will tell to see where we end up. So we have to be in the top three to yes. go to that gala. Yes, top three. I'm I'm hoping for at least a bronze award. That's would that would make me happy as a clam. And yeah, speaking be, of clams, be nice to uh, <laughs> yeah, really be nice to meet the folks from uh, Dog Island and other right. esteemed podcasts. Well, time will tell on that one. Thank you for all your votes, and uh, continue voting if you haven't, please. Uh, uh, I'm speaking of, before we get into the end of the episode, and a look at Season 5, uh, something that, no doubt, this listener has been waiting quite a long time for. Uh, over at ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com, our email that has been burning a hole in my inbox for a good two weeks now from Norbert. And I think you'll like this one, Lucas. It's Arthur Characters... Favorite Lonely Island songs. Ooh. Huh. What so, a creative email. So, a cup, uh, Norbert says, a couple weeks ago, which is probably a month by now, in Buster's Best Behavior, Will said that the Lonely Island would blow Arthur's mind. Yeah, I, va- I vaguely remember saying that. Um, so, here's what I think would be some of the Arthur characters' favorite Lonely Island songs. You ready for this? Um, I am. Hit me with the business. 
Okay, so Arthur's would be Lazy Sunday. Okay, huh. I think that I, I think that, that that pretty much works. I think that's a lot of people's favorite Lonely Island songs. It's a good one. It's a real good one. Yeah, and Arthur's kind of an everyman. Yeah, that makes sense. Buster's would be Sax Man, which I 100% agree with. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Binky would be Punch You in the Jeans. That is probably the most on-the-nose perfect one thus far. I like that. Francine's would be We Like Sports. I was just... You know what? That was what I, I was trying to think in my... I'm trying to think ahead a little bit. I think Francine's is We Like Sports is perfect. And uh, Muffy's would be I'm on a Boat. That's a, that's yep. a three-pointer right there. Yeah, I think that is also very perfect. Um, I'm uh, trying to think. Maybe Mr. Mr. Haney would be like a boss. Mr. Ratburn, don't you think? Mr. Haney's like the one who's in the office all day. Mr. Ratburn's... I don't know. Mr. Ratburn would be like... See, the problem is, like, it's I don't want to use, like, the dirty Lonely Island songs. And so, <laughs> right, right. Basically, really, the only clean one left is threw it on the ground. Um, and so that would probably be DW. I bet DW would be threw oh. it on the ground. Oh, that's a good one. I like that. Good one. Uh, I was trying to... Th- oh, Brains would be Space Olympics. Yes! Perfect. Uh, sorry, I'm just going through their discography right now. And, uh, right, I didn't want to necessarily go with... Uh, with the with the more lewd ones, so Buster could also stra- be the one where um uh uh what's his name keeps singing about being in movies like being Jack Sparrow and stuff instead of yeah, being in the club. yeah the one with uh, the one with Michael Bolton the one with Michael Bolton I I always had a soft spot for that one but I, I can never remember the name of it that comes up on my shuffle every now and then and I really I I I think it's a lot of fun anyway that's a fun thought exercise there I was I was really trying to find if there would be one for Fern I think maybe the creep. But uh, oh. maybe that's I'm, I'm not as strong on that one. OK, so thank you very much, Norbert. And of course, if you want to send an email to us that you'd like us to read on the air or off the air, Elwood City Limits at Gmail dot com. Lucas, season five is a season of a lot of changes. Yeah, Arthur, <laughs> as you may well know. Uh, so first of all, one of the biggest things that we're going to talk about and we don't have to, uh, we don't have to talk about it right here. I have a a list of a few things that are uh, kind of changing behind the scenes in season five. Speaking of changing, uh, the voice of Michael Yarmish, uh, his voice is dropping. Wait a minute! So th- it's the same person? It's the same one. This is his last season as Arthur. Uh, his voice cracked in between. Uh, wow! I had thought it was a completely different voice actor. That's interesting. I mean, you would, right? Because right. it just—it's a completely different take. And I remember as a kid, it's like, oh, I guess I got somebody new to do Arthur. But uh, nope, that's that's him. This is his last uh, go around. The brain also has a different voice, if I'm correct. Yes, and we—you and I talked about this in the early days of. Oh, Limits. is this this season? Is this the season where what's his face is the brain's voice? Replacing Luke Reed as the voice of Brain is one Steven Crowder. Ugh, P.U. Oh, oh man, what a what a uh, a dark cloud uh, that's over such an unassuming season of Arthur. Um, I mean, I guess we should since we brought it up, we might as well tackle it. That I would just say that Steven Crowder is a uh, a human being who I hold in very low regard and who I very much disagree with. Um, 
And I think it's unfortunate that he has anything to do with Arthur, even though he was a little kid at the time. So I guess I should be mad at a little kid. But now that he's an adult, I just want to put on the record that I very much don't like that person. It's a very strange career trajectory that one Steven Crowder has had from, you know, child actor to what he's doing right now. He's um, now I, I admit to being I, I, I've kind I, of seen I would describe what he has to say yeah. as an alt-right pundit. An internet alt-right pundit, a a uh, uh, a professional troll in some sense, uh, but very much someone who I, I my views are diametrically opposed with, and someone who I think is is a I would describe as a hateful person. Yes, yeah, so I think it's safe to say that we at Elwood City Limits do not uh, share, espouse, or. Uh, uh, what, what's the word? promote or endorse the views of the adult Steven Crowder. Luckily, uh, I think he's only the brain voice for it's either one or two seasons. Yeah, it's not it's, much it's, longer it's, than that. It's not very long. And uh, if you're familiar with the meme of the guy sitting down at the desk uh, with the coffee mug that says something, something changed my mind. I believe that's him, mm. which was, which was initially it was a very uh, boorish pig headed uh, message about not liking women or some such, and then people change it into better stuff. So, uh, yeah, so that's <laughs> that's a little bit of a weird one, but we are indeed at this part of Arthur. Uh, a couple quick ones here. The uh, head writers of the show, Joe Fallon and Ken Scarborough, uh, left this season to work on Between the Lions, which we brought up a couple really? times. Really? Interesting. Yeah. Kind of makes me want to maybe check out an episode or two, see what that was like. I never huh. watched Between the Lions, but I feel like we talked about that a couple times. Yeah, here. I watched a lot of Between the Lions. I think that's why, right? So this, I think we're starting to get into the era now where, um, like, season four, I think, was, like, I think you were watching Arthur during seasons one, two, and three, and I yes. think seasons four, five, and six is my peak watching Arthur hours, which would line up with our, our, our perspective ages. I yeah. think this is around 2003, 2004. Uh, we're get, which, yeah, we're getting there. Yeah, so so it makes sense that this is when I would be watching Between the Lions, Zoom, Cyber Chase, Zaboomafu, all that kind of stuff. Season 5 actually begins in 2000 and goes into 2001. Oh, or, excuse, excuse me, it's entirely in the year 2000 because of the short season. Interesting that those two writers would uh, you know leave from a show that is, uh, you know, focused on literacy in kind of a vague sense to literacy in a more uh, immediate sense, because Between the Lines was, like, at a library, I believe. Yes. Uh, this is the last season of Arthur that is traditionally cell-animated. Really? Wow. Yeah. So after this, uh, to use traditional cell animation, after this it goes to digital ink and paint. And, of course, as we've talked about before, the more recent seasons of Arthur uh, are done entirely in Flash. So this is kind of a little oh, bit okay. of Okay, so I was worried the Flash time. season was next, but we still have quite a bit before that happens. No, no, no. Uh, in fact, <laughs> I have some things to say about the animation in these episodes. Uh, so maybe it's not all bad. Uh, this season actually also won a daytime Emmy for Outstanding Animated Children's Program. Huh. Which uh, has my uh, expectations set a little bit higher than they were initially. but uh, The Emmys just happened, so look at that. And, okay, so this, this one's a little bit of a long one, but I found it kind of interesting. Again, of course, getting all of this from uh, Wikipedia because, you know, I 
can't say that uh, I'm much of a researcher. Uh, there was an executive shakeup at uh, what was then CNR, which uh, did a lot of Canadian uh, children's shows at the time. It's now called Cookie Jar Group, I believe, or something like that. Uh, after what is called the CNR tax scandal, a hundred where $122 million was invested into Bahamian bank accounts without board approval by certain now, members of the board. Is that $122 in 2000 money or $122, $122 million in 2000 money or $122 million in 2018 money? Probably 2000 money. Ah! <laughs> Hachi it's machi. A, That's a lot, lot of doubloons. It sure is. Uh, they also... Uh, Certain people in CNR paid American screenwriters for work while still accepting Canadian tax credits and federal grants. Now, this is something that uh, may not be known to our uh, international listeners, and I count America and our international listeners as well. But if you film or do, um, what would it be, like work for the arts, I guess it would be, in certain canadian provinces you can get certain tax breaks that's why that's true for some places across the world like i know new zealand has that as well i I think even some states might have certain tax credits but the reason every movie is filmed in vancouver like from deadpool 2 to uh riverdale the reason all those things are filmed in vancouver as opposed to like hollywood is because of vancouver's film tax credits and all, and uh, Quebec also has its own uh, separate. So sometimes you'll see at the end, like you know, paid for by the government of Canada and the province of Quebec. Like they have, they're always listed uh, separately. I saw that on this episode. Mm. Uh, so in the wake of the scandal, CNR ended up paying a settlement of over seventeen million dollars to Canadian and Quebec authorities. So don't mess with the Canadian government when it comes to their tax grants. It's kind of interesting. I'd recommend I'd recommend that you look it up uh, after this. There's a couple of things I didn't note here. That's just kind of the long and short of it. And that's season five in kind of a nutshell. And now it's time for us to really get into the nitty gritty of it all. Finally, and uh, we're starting it off with Arthur and the Big Riddle. So let's talk about this right off the gate because the episode opens up. It's the kids who are, they're talking about. Arthur being such a great loser, and they're proud of him for having lost very well. And, in fact, they celebrate him. They lift him up over their heads and go, you know, three cheers for Arthur the loser. A la, a la Rudy. Yeah, really. Uh, and this is where we get the first uh, taste of what Arthur's going to sound like this season. So, Lucas, um, what do you make? What do you make of this voice? What do you make of? I mean, Michael Yarmish is now uh, is his voice going into puberty? Essentially, I got used to it fairly quickly. Like in this particular scene, because it's so new and different, and then you get to hear Stephen Crowder his brain back to back. The whole thing is very jarring and bizarre. Uh, mm. But like by the time we got to the second story in this episode, like I was pretty much used to it. Did it? I kind of saw. I knew that this was coming, so I was ready for it. What did you find it jarring when it happened when you were watching the show? Mm, like what was? What I was don't it like? think I was cognizant enough to notice. To be honest with you, you were, you were back too in young? the day, yeah. Okay, because that's something that when I was a kid always uh, threw me off. I remember that happened with um, with Dragon Ball Z. I was talking about this with my friends recently about how. Um, for a long for a long time here in Canada, it was dubbed by the Ocean Group, and then uh, at a certain point in the Frieza saga, 
it was uh, the dub in on YTV, which is wait the a minute. Sh- so Chris Sabat wasn't Vegeta. Um, in Canada, no. <gasps> no. Oh my God, that's sacrilege. <laughs> yeah, no, and and after and it changed to the Funimation dub because I I I, I don't exactly remember the particulars, but then it there was just a random episode. That they that they changed it, and I was like, everybody sounds different. This is weird. I don't like it. Which are, and of course they were switching to the American voices, who everybody associates with, like Goku, Vegeta, Piccolo, that kind of stuff. Beforehand, it was done by like Canadian voice actors. <laughs> uh, Brian Drummond was Vegeta, if I remember correctly, and Scott McNeil was Piccolo, which is uh, good casting in my in my in my recollection. Instead of saying that the. Uh like the chamber of saiyan dna was mondo cool did the canadian voice actors be like it's wicked good oh yeah it's, eh? or oh yeah it's freaking great eh <laughs> it's a cornucopia Real nice eh it's a cornucopia of awesomeness <laughs> um take yeah. off why don't you hoser <laughs> all right now it's, it's yeah <laughs> exactly um uh, yeah so it's a little bit jarring if you don't see it coming but i actually kind of like it because and I wonder if I thought the same way when I was younger. It kind of implies almost a passing of time in Arthur. Now, of course, Arthur's voice after the season changes back to being fairly high pitched as it was higher pitched as it was for the first four seasons. But I think with this one, it's almost like, oh, Arthur's like you know still eight years old, but it's like, oh, he's you know starting to get a little older. So it's yeah, it's kind of it's, it's it's a neat little curiosity. It's like my my a good friend of mine's rewatching Boy Meets World right now, and that's like the whole gimmick of that show is you get to grow up along with the main character and everybody in it um and so it's a little taste of that in arthur even though um the show's far more uh uh, episodic and so everything kind of has to reset at the end of every episode um but still it's nice to think about it i didn't even think about it that way but uh that's interesting i wonder what it would be like if instead uh, we got to see Arthur grow up, and then eventually the episodes, you know when it flashes forward and he's in college? Those are just regular Arthur episodes at that point. And then maybe it's less of an educational show and more like something like undergrads. Yeah, there's a there's a couple of YouTube videos that are that's like adult Arthur, and uh. I, yeah, I don't so much care for those. That's, that's a, uh, to, to borrow parlance from one of my favorite podcasts, We Hate Movies, that's a stay tuned. Yeah. <laughs> Uh yeah, so Arthur is being is talk kind of talking about uh, game shows, I believe, because eventually we see Arthur being carried away, and he's talking to the camera, and then we actually pull out, and it's Arthur on a TV screen talking to Arthur, who's watching the show. Arthur's got this chocolate in his mouth, and he is getting thrown up by everybody, just like Rudy. Um, and then the camera zooms out and it's Arthur again with the chocolate watching himself. And he's like having this conversation with himself on the TV and already I'm very confused. Uh, and, and then to add to the, the sort of mystery of the whole thing, he kind of challenges us, uh, with a riddle and says like, can you like see the clues in this episode? And he, I, I think the riddle is, um, when is it better to be a loser than a winner? Yes. And that's kind of our our prelude to the episode. So here am I. I'm already in the. I'm a little bit. It's a little surreal already. So now I'm in the mindset I am when I watch like Lost or something, where I'm like, okay, where are the clues? Like, what can I figure out? I gotta I gotta be smarter than this kids show, uh, uh, and figure out the answer to this riddle. Yeah, you gotta pay attention. It's like me watching Twin Peaks: The Return and being like, okay, I have to 
make sure that I'm doing nothing else while watching this because I have to have the wikia e- open in in the corner. <laughs> Everything could be important. Uh, so the episode actually starts off with Arthur and Buster playing action figures at Buster's place. Uh, so did you clock these names? Mackerel Man and Cybercod. And uh, Arthur broke. Is it? Did he break Mackerel Man? Uh, yes, uh, because he because he accidentally took off Mackerel Man's fin, and he's like, I thought it came off. Cybercods does. And Buster's pretty upset about this because Arthur broke his toy, but then we get a great line from Buster because the show Riddle Quest comes on, and Buster goes, we have to stop fighting. It's time for Riddle Quest. <laughs> P- Petty grievances aside, it's time for our children's game show. Uh, yeah, Riddle Quest, a.k.a. Uh, Jep, for anybody who remembers Jep. Did you ever watch that, Jep? Wait, was Jep Jeopardy for kids? It was. Oh, did Alex I re- Trebek still host it? Um, no. I. You know what? Who was the host of Jep? Um, it was funny. In the like, uh, in uh, right around this time, there was like a, a ki- you know, it was like the whole kid power thing, and so there were you know kid versions of basically anything, and so they ended up coming up with these shows, Jep and Wheel Two Thousand, which were uh. Uh, kids' versions of Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune, and I remember I watched those because the prizes looked so cool. It was it was a lot more than Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune, which is based on money. These were like based on like physical prizes, and I yeah. really want to I really want to find an episode on like YouTube or something because I remember being entranced by it because I was like, wow, it's like, uh, it's it's just um, it's a watch from Yamaha. Yeah, exactly. So that's the You're- kind of stuff they'd have on on. Uh- uh-oh, and video and arcade top 10, where it'd be like, here's this drum set from Yamaha. Well, and that, yeah, and that's, and we kind of see that a little bit with this, with um, Riddle Quest, because the big prizes, it's not for money. That's more of like what the adult things are. It's like, you know, you, you win and you get to appear on the next episode of Riddle Quest, and then the other one that we'll get into is a hundred boxes of Choco sticks, the chocolate stick that's fun to lick, which reminded yeah. me of you know some of our some of our winners will receive hubba bubba hubba bubba, or like old episodes of um, Price is Right where it's like you get uh, your supply of riceroni, the San Francisco treat. Oh, I'd love your supply of riceroni. <laughs> uh, so the host of uh, Jep is a fellow named Bob Bergen. He is credited as the current voice of Porky Pig and Tweety Bird. He is also known for being in various English dubs of animes. That's uh, interesting. Uh, none that I've particularly heard of, except for Spirited Away. Uh, he's a yeah, he's primarily a, like a voice actor and in a bunch of stuff. So still working today. God bless him. Yeah, uh, Jep. It was J E P and then exclamation point. So that brought back a lot of. Memories of watching that on Saturday afternoons on YTV. Riddle Quest, uh, however, is uh, hosted by Alex Lebeck. Uh, yeah. Who, who is just Arthur Alex Trebek, but unlike many of the cameos, I guess uh, Trebek was too busy hosting Jeopardy because this is kind of a rough approximation, a, a non-copyright infringing uh, parody of Alex Trebek. Dude, you, you know that's Alex Trebek, right? That's what? him voicing it. Yes. That's him voicing it? Well, then yes, why do they just call him Alex Trebek? If you can have <laughs> I don't Mr. Know. Rogers and Yo-Yo Ma, <laughs> why can't they just actually have Alex Trebek? 
I genuinely don't know, and it's like it's such uh, a weird. Do you know what it is? What's that? Um, Jeopardy at the time. I was reading about this. We both did a lot of research. It's because it's school season, baby. Um, <laughs> uh, Jeopardy was on CBS, and so like they probably wouldn't have taken too kindly to uh, Alex Trebek, who hosts one of their intellectual properties, appearing on a PBS television show. Um, that's as good of a reason as any why he could still appear, but they couldn't like actually have it be Alex Trebek. I, he, there's got to be some kind of legal gray area there because, like, I'm thinking of, you know, when Alex Trebek was on, um, he, I remember he was on a Treehouse of Horror episode of The Simpsons. He got they got to call him Alex Trebek there, and you'd think that he would be able to call himself that here because it's PBS. It's not like they're, you know, it's it's public broadcasting. So I I don't know. That's I I, I wonder kind of what went into that. It makes me very curious, and I don't have the answers for it. Uh, if anybody else does, email into the show. Um. So, yes, it's Alex Lebeck hosting Riddle Quest, which is basically just Jeopardy. And the reigning champion is Charlotte Bickles. And this is you an homage what? to the real-life Ken Jennings, who famously won 74 games of Jeopardy in a row. Um, I don't I don't know, because I don't think Ken Jennings was doing that Ooh. at the time. Did this predict? Is this another Arthur predicts? Let's take a look. 2004 was when he went on that 70-plus game oh. winning streak. So yes, My Arthur goodness. did did predict the rise of Ken Jennings, albeit in the form of Charlotte Bickles. You know anybody whose last name is Bickles? Um, maybe like one like of those... if Tommy was a blood. <laughs> I, I was thinking of Travis Bickle from Taxi Driver. Maybe not exactly ah. a great company to be in. It's a it's a riddle it's a riddle show. It's basically kind of like just asking crossword hints oh. in real life. Well, not even crossword hits. They're just straight up like riddles. And this whole thing was really, really funny to me because I don't know if you've been listening to my brother, my brother and me lately, but they have a new segment on that show where they go to riddles.com and they read the riddles out loud and they're all terrible. Um, they're all pretty much this tier of riddle, but it's it's a lot funnier when the brothers read them because they can't even keep a straight face. Um and so just like the idea of like really simple children's riddles now is funny to me just because it's been all recontextualized by my brother, mm. my brother and me. So all of this stuff was like very funny. And then there's this cool thing where it's uh, I miss the days of old before e who wants to be a millionaire. And then every game show basically became a dark room with lights. Uh, game shows used to have all this sort of pomp and circumstance with like sets and stuff, like especially like 80s game shows. Uh, and so uh Riddle Quest follows that kind of formula where for the final riddle, there's always this like giant animatronic creature that comes out and asks the kids the final riddle, which is a nice touch presentation wise. Yeah, it's very Legends of the Hidden Temple, like uh, like Olmec or something. So Arthur and Buster are watching this. Arthur's never seen it before, but he is uh, he's getting the answers before Charlotte Bickles. Uh, and then Buster thinks that, wow, you know, you could you could probably go on that show and beat her. So this becomes sort of Buster's mission, but uh, but Arthur decides to Arthur decides to go along with it just because at Buster's prodding. Uh, so they decide Buster writes him up like an application, and they send it into uh, Real Quest. I like how it's kind of implied that Alex LeBeck is both the host and the showrunner. Yeah, of, uh, I like Real I Quest. like this too, where he's got like the poor hapless intern has all the uh, applications and he puts them on his desk. And then the application screening process is that he essentially picks one out at random. And he's like, book this Arthur Reed guy next week. Yeah, he's got this statue with an outstretched hand and he pours all the letters on it. 
And then it's just like the one it catches is the one that he because he on it. I like how disaffected he is. It's maybe a little bit of behind the curtain here as, you know, the real life Alex Trebek has been doing Jeopardy for decades and decades. And it's probably not too far off from this of just like Arthur Reed. Fine. Book him for next week. Just <laughs> he's he, he's on only when he's paid to be on. Uh, <laughs> so I, I appreciated that. Uh, so, yeah, Arthur does get picked. uh and his friends are trying to coach him uh, in various ways to both be able to answer the riddles and also to be ready for on-camera presentation. I will say I didn't take I didn't take I didn't take all that many notes during this part. It's like you know we get into a bit of a montage. Like Arthur goes to the t- DW takes Arthur to the Tibble Twins where they ask him like dumb riddles. And yeah, so like it, it's like ch- child logic. So they ask him what's black and white and red all over. Arthur says a newspaper. Um, and the Tibbles are like, wrong, it's a penguin holding his breath. And then they tell DW that uh, basically Arthur is beyond training. He's he's un, He can't be helped. Uh, and then we get a great freak out from DW where she says, oh, please don't give up on him. He's my only brother. <laughs> uh, yeah, because the important thing for his friends is, you know, for Arthur to, they're essentially trying to teach him confidence, which is, not an easy, uh, you, you know, you can take that horse to water, but it's hard to make him drink. Uh, Buster's having him, like, watch tape of Charlotte Bickles, which I appreciated as a wrestling fan. That old adage of, like, always, oh, he's, he's watched tape. Huh? And, I mean, I think I think that's true of, like, fighting in general. Uh, DW, uh, not DW, Francine, uh, I really like her training regimen as well. She's just getting Arthur to buzz in over and over again to get his, his hand speed up. And uh, Muffy is kind of coaching him and being like camera forward sort of of uh, trying him out with tongue twisters so that he doesn't uh, get lost. I mean, it's actually some of these are not not bad training. Uh, Arthur could use a little bit of prep just so he doesn't come off like a goon on TV. But of course, that just uh, jumpstarts his anxiety. And we get into the sequence where he has a nightmare where he and his friends are like he is in his pajamas and transported to the world of Alice in Wonderland with all of his friends playing the parts. Early, you mentioned uh, the animation in these episodes in this sequence in particular, the animation. I love the visual style, the almost storybook uh, type of pencil shading. They completely changed the art style of the episode for this one sequence. And like, uh, uh, I really, really enjoy how everything looks. It's got this like otherworldly, almost like Burton esque, uh, kind of storybook darkness to it. Uh, and also, like, the proportions are all different. Like, just like the Mad Hatter, Francine's got a massive head and, like, tiny little hands. Um, I don't know. I really like this dream sequence. I think this is where the animation is at its best. You're right, because it takes on that kind of uh, kind of similar look. I remember this was also in uh, the episode where Buster doesn't read. Uh, and they did, like, the... Um, they would go into different books, and they would have kind of this weird... Uh, illustration style to it. Yeah. Not weird, not weird, but kind of vintage. I don't know. I, it's hard for me to describe it. Uh, uh, there's a lot of like cross stitching in the, in the shading, uh, that kind of stuff. Uh, it looks cool. It all, it almost looks like worn a little bit. Um, it's, it's also a fairly good representation of Alice in Wonderland. You know, we have so many adaptations of that source material and they kind of range in tone, in tone from how faithful it is to the, the madcap nature of Wonderland, and I thought that this Riddle Land part was actually a fairly good representation of what Wonderland is supposed to be like. At least I thought so, because it's like all kind of 
you know, word puns and that. Like there's Buster as the as the March Hare, and he's beating a he's beating a stopwatch with a hammer, and he's like, "I'm trying to beat the clock, but it's not working." <laughs> or uh, Francine as the uh, the Mad Hatter, and uh, you know, she says, "What would you like with your T?" and holds up a giant letter T. Or t- or my favorite uh, name pun, Tibble D and Tibble Dumb. Oh, speaking of name puns, I forgot to mention this. So there's a lot of sequence during the training montage where they're watching other episodes of um, the Riddle Quest show. Uh, and all of the contestants that are going up against uh, one Charlotte Bickles, all of their names are references to old famous boxers. So um, Sammy Liston is Sonny Liston. And Floyd Peterson is a reference to Floyd Patterson. Okay, yeah. So, yeah. I kind of caught, like, Liston and Patterson, and I was like, that feels like a reference to something, but I'm not getting it. And now that you say that, I totally, that's that's very interesting. And again, that kind of layers on the, uh, you know, they're studying tape of, like, she, it's literally Charlotte Bickles against, like, uh, other fighters, kind of. Makes oh, me that- wonder if there's a, there's a boxing fan somewhere in the Arthur writing team, because remember that sequence where, like, uh, Arthur and DW were literally going to box each other. I feel like so often we get dream sequences either in a boxing or wrestling ring that it's almost too many coincidences now that there couldn't be just some sort of combat sports fan. Well, and in the art and the episode where uh, with the different stories, it's like you know uh, now Arthur will fight uh, John L. Sullivan, Floyd Patterson, and Barney Ross. Yes. So somebody somebody might be like an old school boxing fan. That's very interesting. Um, the end of this dream sequence is where uh, Charlotte Bickles shows up as the Queen of Hearts and asks Arthur a question. Is the statement, this statement is false, true or false? To which Arthur doesn't know the answer. And to which Charlotte Bickles says, of course you don't. There's no answer. And... This has confused me ever since I was a kid. It feels like one of those logic things that is just outside my realm of being able to understand it. I mean, like, isn't that the point? I, that's I, why. I, that's why Arthur screams in existential terror. I mean, I was I was pretty much right there with him. I'm just like, oh man, this feels just a little bit outside my pay grade. Uh, and then eventually Arthur wakes up. Uh, his friends are, are treating it like they're never going to see Arthur again because. As Buster says, if he keeps winning, he'll have to come back again and again. He might even have to change schools, which, again, is... I feel like they bring up changing schools a lot on Arthur. Uh, Even though Arthur says he'll be back that afternoon. Uh, I found this interesting. So, there's a part where... Ooh, wait, that's a great clue. That means Elwood City is within an afternoon's distance of New York. Is is this... uh, Is it being taped in New York, Real Quest? Well, I mean... So we get a, a brief look at the outside of uh, Riddle Quest Studios, which it's one. It's funny that it's got its own like bespoke building that that's all that building's for is Riddle Quest is filmed, uh, and it's pretty comical if you look at it from the outside. It's like this giant like Riddle Quest Studio that's not just, in real life. It would just be like a warehouse somewhere, but mm. you see, unless this is just Elwood City like downtown Elwood City, you see approximations of like the Empire State Building and stuff like that in the background. But now that I'm looking at it again, like that almost looks like Sears Tower next to the Empire State Building. So this just could be like downtown Elwood City. Um, and we get a scene here where Arthur and Charlotte Bickles are in the green room together and she's very, very serious and it kind of makes Arthur nervous. And like the, P- the production assistant calls him in just like, you're on kids. And then... 
you know, Arthur's very nervous, and then Charlotte Pickles is just like, uh, thanks, Gloria. Like, she's done this a billion times before. It made me wonder, what do you think Charlotte Pickles is going to be like when she grows up? Well, I wondered if this episode was, because I was trying to figure out, like, why, like, why would Arthur throw this? Because I could kind of see where this episode was going, and I was like, is there going to be something where, like, we figure out all Charlotte, like, Charlotte Bickles has, like, a breakdown during a, a, a mid-taping break, and Arthur feels bad for her. Like, what's what's Charlotte Bickles' turn going to be here? And it's like, nope, she's just unlikable. Uh, yeah, it's, I, 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 have my, I have my thoughts on why Arthur does that. Essentially, uh, the, the, uh, the game show is that Arthur and Charlotte are very uh, evenly matched, and, in fact, they tie, and it comes down to the final, uh, the final riddle. And it, which is asked by a sphinx, and Arthur knows the answer. Uh, a pretty... sphinx voiced by Mr. Rapper. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, and it comes down to Arthur knows what the answer is almost right away, but he stops himself. His anxiety gets the better of him, and he says, "What if I do have to keep coming back again and again? What if I never ever lose and I never leave the show?" And we get a, a potential flash forward of Arthur as an old man uh, with a cane and everything on the show. And Alex Lebeck is still there. He's, like, withered and in a walker. And we get a little bit of Alex Trebek doing an old man voice. So he did uh, did bring a little something extra to the role, did Alex Trebek. The funniest and... part about this whole dream sequence is that even though Arthur's an old man, he's still playing against a child. Yeah. Uh, the, the riddle being, I'm purple, and I go, hmm. What am I? <laughs> and Arthur forgets, and then it's just like, well, we'll give it to you anyway. And Arthur just wins again. And that's enough of a distraction for Charlotte to get the get the answer right, and she wins. Uh, I took this as being like, have you ever had that thing where you're on a roll in a video game, and, but you just want to stop playing, so you kind of just intend to lose? Or you just kind of play just badly enough for the computer to beat you? I know what you mean, like, especially in, like, arcade-type games or, like, pinball. Yeah. Where you're just like, I could probably do this for another half hour, but I don't know. Yeah, it's like, I, like, you don't want to intentionally lose, but also, like, you kind of want to do something else. <laughs> uh, so that's what I kind of took it as. And then, of course, uh, Arthur being the loser, or rather the second place, he gets 100 boxes of Choco Sticks as his consolation prize, which is why everybody was... So proud of him for losing because Arthur the loser. Exactly. Three cheers for Arthur the loser. And we go back to the very beginning of the episode. His friends are hoisting him up. They're all eating Choco sticks. And the final line from Arthur is, did you answer the riddle right? I hope not. If you did, you've been watching too many game shows. So now I, I I, I might make a fool of myself here. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I might seem downright foolish, so I apologize. I apologize to the listeners of Elwood City Limits, but I must speak now or else I'll hold this with me for the rest of my life. Yes. I'm just so confused. All these cars are driving by because they don't even want me to admit this, but like, I have no idea what the answer to the riddle was. So the riddle was, I was expecting this to be like some sort of like, did you miss it? Your brain didn't. And like, there's like some sort of hitting meaning in this episode. So the riddle was, uh, when is it better to lose than to win? So like, what's the answer? What is it? Well, the answer is in the episode of just like, it's better in this incredibly specific scenario where actually the prize for losing is better than for winning. 
but it's also but it's also a chance for Arthur to kind of clap back at you for expecting an answer. It's like uh, to take to take it to Twin Peaks again. It's like David Lynch saying that they're that his works aren't meant to be interpreted, and you're wrong if you try to. I I I I, I agree. I don't like this ending. Uh, and I never did as a kid. I'm just like, cause I, as a kid, I was like, well, what's the answer to the riddle? And he's like, well, I hope you weren't looking for an answer or else you've been watching too many game shows. Like, no, don't set that up and don't do anything. No. And as an adult, it's just, this just feels, I don't want to, I don't want to say lazy, but it's like, I don't know what this accomplishes. It's like JJ like Abrams with his dang mystery box. Yeah, really? Um, who are, who are, who are Ray's parents? I hope you didn't guess, or else you've been watching too many Star Wars movies. Uh, uh, what's up with, so, like, what's the moral of this episode? Like, I don't know. Is, is, there, is there, is there one? Well, it's like, yeah, it's like, like, he trained and he tried his hardest and then he lost on, he threw it. It's like, sometimes you gotta throw the big, like, I just don't understand. <laughs> I'm <It's> confused. Very... <laughs> Me too. Me too, man. I don't have any answers for you, and uh, I I, th- I think we'll we're gonna talk about this later after we get through our next Arthur story. Uh, now, uh, this w- speaking of speaking of game shows, this next episode is named after Double Dare, hosted by Mark Summers, though it has nothing to do with Double Dare, hosted by Mark Summers. No, in fact, uh, as much as this, as the episode we just talked about leaves you confused. This episode hooks you from the beginning. I remember watching this as a kid, and even now, it's like, what is this? What's going to happen? It's Arthur dangling out of the ba- a bathroom window at what looks to be his school as Buster is, like, kind of pulling him in by his belt. And, um, oh, gosh, I wish I'd written it down. Uh, what's, kind of, what's kind of the through line of what he's doing here? Well, he's trying, like, he's, he's getting pulled by his belt, I just remember, like, the one thing that sticks out the most about this scene is, is you talk about Arthur's new voice. I think the its worst moment is in this moment right here where I don't know if this was, like, on purpose or they just didn't get a better take. But the delivery of, don't let me go, is almost Troll 2-esque. And it's, like, disaffected, like, don't let me go. Yeah, I know what you mean. Oh, my God. Yeah. That kind of thing. Uh, he I, he's talking about how like I think thing something like things happen when you don't expect them. Like the example he gives of, of how um, a guy rec- this this was an interesting addition to the lore. He says a guy records a song in his bathroom and it becomes Crazy Bus and it cuts to Arthur listening to uh, D.W. listening to Crazy Bus and Arthur going crazy and putting cushions over his head to block out the noise. Yeah, he says, I'm going to go crazy, like, almost in a Lovecraftian sense, where he, like, loses his mind to Eldritch Horror, and then he's going to eat the cushions. Because that's how crazy go- he is. Like, he's on bath salts or something. But there you go. That's canon. Crazy Bus was recorded in a bathroom. Um, another thing that's <laughs> canon is that DW hates the sunshine. We get a gr- He's like, some things don't make sense, like the stuff that makes DW mad. And then we get this great moment of DW going... I'm sick of sunshine. Sun, sun, sun. How about some rain around here? Is that too much to ask? This is one of her moods, I guess. Again, kind of back to the crazy bus thing. I just like how it's true to form of like how some of those, like the biggest hits in music come from like 
the biggest afterthoughts of like it, it reminded me of how if you know the song Cherry Pie by Warrant, it's like you know she's my cherry yeah. pie, like how it was like oh yeah I wrote that in like thirty minutes and recorded it in like less than a day and it ended up being the one song that we're known for and I hate it kind of thing. Are you saying that the guy who made Crazy Bus is technically a SoundCloud rapper? He got uh, 40 minutes of studio time and they just like threw together t- Crazy Bus in his bathroom and threw it up on SoundCloud. And now, much like Takashi 69 he's the biggest thing in the world. Ugh. Uh, Doing songs no. with Kanye. No, but... Ugh, God, speaking of ugh. Um, no, but what I'm saying is... I want a SoundCloud rapper remix of the Crazy Bus song. <laughs> I I don't I don't think I don't think we have the power to will that into existence, but I'm gonna I'm gonna put that out there. Um, if you make a SoundCloud rap version of, or if, if someone you know makes a SoundCloud rap version of the Crazy Bus theme, that'll be the new theme of the show. Oh my god! <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm okay with that. Like I've been, wa- I've been wanting, I've been kind of wanting Dude, people. Dude, it's it. We have like, th- there's SoundCloud rappers who have like rapped over the scene transition music from SpongeBob. Like this is not that far out of the, uh, <laughs> this is not that big of a stretch of the imagination. I know. I want this, and I, I think we maybe said this too early into the podcast's youth, but like, I'll, I'll say it again. If you want to take a take a crack at making an Elwood City Limits theme song. Send it our way, please. I mean, I, I'm not talented with music or anything like that. And I the Arthur theme is great, but I've always wanted something that we can kind of call our own. And you're if not it's talented, a, you're not and talented if it's a, with music like a SoundCloud rapper would be. And it and if it, and if it's a trap remix of the Crazy Bus theme, I'm into it. Let me hear it. I dare you. Who knows? Uh, you might become friends with Kanye. <laughs> so the cold open kind of hooks you straight from the start and we get into the episode it's arthur and his friends in the treehouse specifically francine buster and brain they're talking about how much homework they have from ratburn that night and how they're gonna miss dark bunny and how that's a travesty because tonight is the special two-part episode where dark bunny gets eaten by a, gi- a giant clam and digested by clam juice that's when I realized I'd seen this episode before. I was like, oh, this is the clam episode. Right. And Arthur kind of sort sort of half-heartedly just says, I wish one day I could skip school. I'd skip school and do my homework when I felt like it. And Francine immediately only, was like... Uh, Arthur lived where we live in Nova Scotia, where provincial law states that you actually cannot get academic marks on your homework. So uh, you can't get graded on whether your homework is done or not. Uh, I'm that's not a sure. little that's a little life hack for all those people that go to high school around here. I'm not sure if I knew that. Not um, a lot of people do, but you best bet that I knew it when I was in high school. <laughs> Man, you must that makes you king of the world. That's currency in high school. <laughs> Francine immediately laughs us off of just like you would never do that. You're too much of a scaredy cat, of which immediately I was like that's absolutely correct. Yeah. Arthur would Arthur, Arthur would Starts if, like if, writing checks his mouth can't cash. Like he, this is, it's almost almost out of character the way Arthur's like, oh no, I could totally skip school, and I'm like, no, he would never do that. I think he's I think he's just talking of like in a dream sense of like I wish I could skip school, just like 
just like a momentary power momentary power thing but he doesn't he absolutely doesn't mean it and francine calls him out and arthur would never skip school absolutely she's right unless he was dared in which francine does and we get like the the music changes the air sucks out of the room and our and buster goes she dared you arthur you have to do it and brain is the arbiter of the rules of daring and so just and all it is is that like once you're dared you're dared you have to do it it's like you're in a sucky blumhouse film <laughs> and then arthur dares francine back to skip school francine reflexively dares buster who then reflexively dares brain and brain says this is serious guys we have to come up with a plan <laughs> um lucas when you were younger were you ever dared to do something like this uh no, I feel like I've always been an independent thinker. Like, I, I feel like I've never been really subsup- susceptible to, like, dare culture. P- peer pressure and whatnot? Yeah, I'd be like, no, I'm not doing that. I'm going to school. Hmm. It's, I mean, it, it is something I feel like I I would, I was definitely the type to be peer pressured. So I, but I can't think of anything I was egregiously dared to do. Like, I was never dared to skip school or, like, do anything super weird or anything like that. Uh, but I, I do kind of see where this comes in. Um, I, I made a note of this now, and it's I think it's especially present in this as as opposed to uh, Arthur and the Big Riddle. The animation looks really weird in this one, and again, I've, I feel like I've said this before. I want to be critical of the animation, but I also want to recognize the fact that animation is not easy. Uh, I certainly can't do it, and I don't want to, you know this to be you know, an an attack or anything like that. But it's just, like, the animation looks kind of bad in this episode. Yeah, like, I don't, there's, certain, I, there's I, certain frames of this episode I really like, like, still frames. Like, um, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves, but there's a moment where, like, DW is very skeptical of the gang, and she makes an incredible face. Uh, but besides that, like, it's like, maybe all the animation went into uh, making that dream sequence from the last episode. Who knows? Yeah, maybe. I know that's not really how things work, but uh, that's how my lizard brain makes sense of it. Yeah, it doesn't look super great, especially here in uh, Double Dare. So Arth- Arthur and his friends go up to his room, and Brain uh, draws out a map. Uh, as... He draws complete schematics of the school and neighborhood, and we get to hear that he did this in five minutes. Like, because, all the people are getting at him because they're like, oh, uh, that's your plan? And Brain's like, oh, I only had five minutes. It's like, dude, you drew, like, a whole, like, two-scale map. It's, it's, it's like in Back to the Future. It's like, you'll have to excuse the crudity of this model. I didn't have much time. That's great, Doc. Uh, yeah, and because essentially his plan is like, we'll go into a bush, then we'll take two lefts, and we don't go to school. <laughs> um, and I will, t- I will tell you, uh, I remember in, was it? junior high no i was i think it was high school i think one of the only times i can remember skipping class was when i went with my friends to uh uh a place that was close to my high school called intensity and it was a kind of not an internet cafe but it was like a place where you could pay a fee and uh they had all these uh the top of the line like desktop pcs and they had like all the best games loaded on them so you what? could play, yeah, it was cool. You could so me and my friends would play like four player Halo on a LAN party and stuff like that. Fun fact: you can do that at your public library now. 
That's true. Every time I go to the every time I go to the library across the street of my apartment, uh, there's kids playing Fortnite every single time. It's either Fortnite or Minecraft. That's true. Or, or Roblox. Yes, Roblox. Um, the kids been hanging out with Kanye and Lil Pump too much. They love the Roblox. Uh, one thing I also want to so I just want to say that I don't have any school skipping stories because old nerdy Lucas Mancini. Uh, famously had perfect attendance in high school, not a single unexcused absence. Let's go. Hell yeah. Yeah, you know it, baby. I can only think of maybe one, once or twice where I did it, and I was incredibly nervous the whole time because I am a scared little bunny rabbit. Uh, so they decide to go ahead with this plan. Uh, DW almost catches them, and she seems to be again in one of her famous foul moods of, you know, Arth- um, Arthur's mom calls him down to dinner, and then she's like, Arthur, mom called you for dinner two hours ago. Come on. And Arthur's and so- like, it was five seconds. One of the things I wish there was actually a little bit more of in this episode, one of my favorite aspects of this episode, it's only brief, is the idea of DW as a foil for their plan. Just because she's like noisy. She's, excuse me, nosy and annoying. Um, DW is sort of the person who's about to blow this whole thing wide open and she doesn't even know it. Just because she's like, Arthur's acting sus. Yeah. Uh, and, like, at, at dinner that night, of just, like, uh, they're eating all Brussels sprouts, and DW's trying to get him to, get him to admit something, but, uh, it's not falling for it. Arthur is much more interesting than Brussels sprouts, sometimes. <laughs> uh, we also- a great continuity of, uh, Arthur's, like, in the next scene watching Dark Bunny, and DW is like, is it over yet? To show that, like, DW is scared of Dark Bunny, which we saw in the last episode. Yes, yes, I'm glad you brought this up. I wrote I wrote that note, too. Uh, I really appreciated that little that little nod there. I, I love this, of just, like, Arthur, this is Arthur watching the two-parter. And, you know, as you said, is it safe to come in? Yep, it's just a commercial. Uh, has Dark Bunny been eaten by the clam yet? Arthur goes, yep. And then DW, with a line that I swear to you that my mother used to give me when I was little... So you're going to tell me what you look so guilty about? <laughs> and, you, and Arthur's great, too. He's like, guilty? I don't look guilty. I look completely not guilty. <laughs> and, then he, and then he ends up getting really agitated and accidentally yells at his mom. He's just like, I told you, I'm, I'm not guilty, so leave me alone already. Uh, we get another nightmare from Arthur. That's uh, two in the same episode here. Um this one is... He's getting uh, digested by the clam. Yes, that's right. So, He's getting... uh, a little bit more on details on this clam thing. This, so, this is, like, kind of a little bit morbid for Arthur. Like, th- this episode has a similar obsession with digestion that r- reminds me of season one. Remember that episode where they were obsessed with puking? <laughs> barf like, bags. Yeah, barf bags and puking. The big thing that, like that disturbs Arthur and Buster about this episode of My Buddy is that he's, like, digested by this clam. And we get this sequence where, like, it's kind of morbid. Arthur's, like, trapped inside the clam. The clam is talking to him, like, from within himself. And he's... The implication is that he's slowly getting digested in this clam's juices. Um, This dream sequence is used in... There's a really, really funny... And I can't believe I've never brought this up on the podcast before, but there's a really funny AMV, or anime music video, uh, for Arthur to a Death Grip song. 
Okay. Um, I forget which Death Grip song it is. I might do a quick Google search right here. Um, you should look this up, Will, if you haven't had the chance already. Um, and it uses many parts, it, like it uses all the most disturbing parts from Arthur, like a lot of the dream sequences. So, um, like when he's getting pulled by the long arm of the law, like, um, or one of the main parts it uses is, uh, it's No Love. It's No Love. It's called, the video's called No Love DW. I got it. Um, and uh, uh, it's a lot of seg- segments of Arthur getting digested by this clam in that AMV. Okay, I can't w- I can't wait to watch that. I'm totally going to share it on our social media this week. I can't <laughs> wait to watch this. Um, okay, yeah, and so Arthur's having this dream where the- he's inside the mouth of this giant clam, which is talking to him menacingly of like, like, where am I? Well, you're certainly not at school, are you? And it turns out- This would be out- kind of scary for a kid. Like, this is- it's, it's the a, whole idea of being slowly digested. It is disturbing. It's intense, man. And then it turns out Buster's in there, too. And it turns out, as the clam says, they took a wrong turn at the bush, and now he's going to digest them. And this is enough for Arthur to call Buster early the next morning and say that he can't go through with skipping school because of that nightmare. And it turns out that Buster had the exact same nightmare. And so they're both convinced that they can't do it. Um, this might be and, my favorite part of the whole episode is like these panicked calls that I think it's Buster making to everybody. And like in every single one, he mentions the clam, like he calls brain to call it up and we only hear brain side of the conversation. And he's like, what about a clam and digestion? What? And then we get to hear the one that Buster leaves on uh, Francine's answering machine that she's not listening to. Cause she's got headphones in. Um, and Buster's like, uh, yeah, we're not going to do the thing. Uh, cause there was this clam and anyway, it's off. Just don't worry about it. Yeah. And Francine with her walk, man, this was, this would have been around the time when I would have been. So, uh, from a very young age, uh, I felt that I needed to do something else while walking to and from school. Uh, whether it was read, whether it was reading to myself while walking. Uh, and then around this time I would have probably had my first walk, man. So I would be doing that, putting some tapes in there, and then I would move up to the disc man. I would Ooh. actually, I would actually lug my disc man to and from school, and uh, listen to it then. So yes, the sickness has been in me, within me for a long time. Uh, so I was ripe for the taking when the iPods came along. Um, yeah, so she doesn't hear the phone message. So everybody except Francine is a go for the school skipping. And then Francine doesn't show up. They're wondering where she is. Buster says that he left the message for her. And then eventually she's outside after class has begun. And she gets their attention at the window. And uh, they realize they realize the mistake that they've made. So they end up going to the bathroom in order to uh, try well, we get and get... A little, wait, when, uh, when she gets her attention at the window, there's a great little bit where uh, Francine sort of hides in the bushes a la a Fortnite character. And uh, Mr. Rappern um, is, like, watching, like, Buster and Arthur, like, stare out the window. And he's like, what's going on over here? And Buster and Arthur do that, like, hum they always do when they're trying to be inconspicuous. Where they're like, (laughs) And uh, when they meet her at the bathroom, this is actually where the episode began initially. Um, It's, uh, they're trying to kind of pull her back in through the bathroom window, which, good luck. And Arthur even kind of says, just like, I can't 
lift you in. You're too heavy. And Francine says, I'm not too heavy. I weigh less than you. They try again. Like I said, this is where the episode kind of starts with Buster is pulling him, Arthur, by his belt. We but, get to uh, hear, don't let me go again. And Arthur's belt comes off and he accidentally drops Francine. Uh, it seemed like Arthur was falling, but no, he's fine. And then Binky comes in out of nowhere and says, leave it to me, Francine. I have yeah. an idea. And then we Binky get a trans- just happened to be in the bathroom watching all this go down. <laughs> and then he just kind of great comedic timing on him popping his head out next to Arthur's like behind and being like, I have a plan. And then we get a transition to the next scene. And Buster says, since when does Binky have ideas? <laughs> uh, and so Binky's plan to get Francine back to school, actually not bad. So he just pretends he just pretends that he's got a pain in his foot and he makes a huge scene so that everybody's looking at him and then they their plan is to sneak Arthur and Buster will sneak Francine in the front door while big while Binky's uh, drawing attention. And it almost works except eventually Mr. Ratburn comes by and Binky doesn't really have a convincing lie to keep the distraction going. He's like, "It's my shoe, Mr. Ratburn. I think it's too tight." And Ratburn's like, "Then I suggest you get a new pair." And, and then up- Mr. Rapper and he realizes something suspicious is afoot. We cut back to Arthur and Buster holding the door open for Francine, who is like four meters away and arguing with them that they were supposed to be at the other door. And I'm like, this is my moment of being, you ever go see a horror movie with like a Saturday night audience on opening night? And there's a bunch of people who are like, don't go in there. You're like, yeah, oh, you're geez. This was my don't go in there moment where I'm like, Francine, just move, please. Yeah, really. This is Francine. Parts of this episode are Francine at her peak Francine. And this is like arguing with them over something little. And uh, uh, eventually they get caught and uh, by Ratburn and by and by Mr. Haney, who take them all to his office. They're sitting outside. Uh, Oliver Frensky is in the office talking with Principal Haney and Mr. Ratburn. Uh you know, Fr- Francine's like, I'm doomed. And then Buster's like, not necessarily. Uh, is something like, my cousin knew somebody who got expelled from school, but then she got a job selling donuts and she can me- eat as many as she wants without paying. And then Vinky's like, cool. Francine has an amazing line, and I think we can all relate to this in some extent. Uh, she says, I don't want to go to work. I want to go to school. It's like, amen to that. Same. Uh, and then eventually... Eventually, Francine turns on Arthur, which, again, talk about peak Francine. Like, this is... uh, Now, granted, it's not entirely her fault, because it was just some miscommunication of her not knowing the plan. But then she immediately blames Arthur, uh, which I I think she would be in her rights maybe to shift some of the blame onto them, maybe, for not telling her in time. Or Brain for being the first to dare, like... No, she was the first to dare. She, oh, in, in fact, she was getting no, her comeuppance. In fact, that's her reasoning. She she says to Arthur, "If you hadn't made me dare you, none of this would have happened." Which is the whoa, man! Like, I'm glad we have had so many episodes where Francine is shown in a better light because this is this is when Francine is at her worst when she's just huh. she's and she's clearly like to me it reads of just like she's just desperate and trying to blame anyone but herself. And eventually she does when, uh, yeah, I don't know why, but maybe it's when all the, the adults are grilling into her and they're all like, well, I'm really disappointed in you. It's like, where did you get this idea? And she kind of looks back at Arthur. Like now that I know that it was her idea to dare Arthur, I kind of see it a little bit differently, but I still can't help but feel bad for Francine. Um, and I, I do think the little like 
I am Spartacus moment that comes next is earned uh, where Arthur's like, punish me too. It was my idea. And then Buster's like, punish me as well. And then we get a great joke where uh, uh, Pinky's like, and punish me. And everybody's like, Pinky, you had nothing to do with this. And he's like, oh, okay, never mind. And he's like, cry- he's like crying. He's just like, and me. <laughs> he's, just, he's just moved by the emotion. Uh, yeah, no, I definitely don't want to imply that like it was Francine's fault 100%. Because like, obviously, probably should have told her sooner that you weren't going to actually do it after you all went in on the dare. But it's like... All right, Francine, you started this thing. So. Yeah, maybe check the bush. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, eventually Francine is going to get punished with detention. Arthur and Buster argue themselves into getting punished. Ratburn gives them an extra assignment. Uh, I don't know if I'm as I don't know if I'm as into that resolution as you are, but I will say I love the ending of this episode. So there was a point where the part specifically where Arthur and Buster are talking with Francine as she's uh, outside in the window. And Mr. Ratburn's talking with Mr. Marco about a program. It's kind of it's kind of sort of off camera, so you're not meant to be paying attention to it. But he's, he's like, so did you see it last night? No, I missed it. I was doing this. And, da, 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 da. and then it turns out, like, the end of the episode is them both in the teacher's lounge. And, you know, Ratburn's saying, like, yeah, it was a tough day. I just don't get why stu- good students would skip school and fall behind in their homework. And Ratburn puts in a uh, a VHS tape, and it's the two-parter of Dark Bunny. And Ratburn goes, "All right," and Mr. like, Mr. and then Mark goes, "Like, wait till you see that clam." Oh, it's awesome! It's like it's like the it's like the conversations that my friend, my a work friend, and I have about Common Rider. It's just like these two these two grown men who are talking about a children's show, and just like this is a great one. Wait till you see the giant clam. It's disgusting. Oh, I loved it. I loved it so much. It's, it's This is almost the opposite in that, like, I find that uh, the Riddle Quest episode had a very unsatisfying ending, whereas this is, like, a nice little, like, setup. They set this up earlier with, like, Mr. Rapper was watching something, and then they pay it off, which it was, he was trying to watch the same show the kids were. Yeah, this is, that was my, f- that was my favorite part of the episode. I just, I, I loved it. Okay. That's the first episode of season five. Let's uh, roll it back to the very beginning. Lucas, what did you make of Arthur in the Big Riddle? I really like the idea of Arthur in the Big Riddle. Like, I like when, like, especially in TV shows where characters you really know can go and get on a show. It's almost exciting because you feel like, oh, this is like a character I know. And then this is one episode where they get the chance to be on, on TV. And it makes you feel like a once-in-a-few-while chance might happen to you. You get to live vicariously through these characters you like. I also like media about game shows, like the movie Slumdog Millionaire, um, and especially this seems to be sort of a throwback game show uh, of old, but it really doesn't stick the landing. Like, it's just odd the way Arthur just kind of throws it at the end. I thought it was interesting the interpretation you made of him maybe just being anxious generally, and that fits a lot better with the Arthur character. But I thought he was, like, losing on purpose just because, like, he didn't want to be on the show forever or something really silly. Uh, I was just kind of frustrated with him at that point, and I found the ending to be unsatisfactory. And then especially because they set up this riddle at the front, and then they're just like, whoa, there is no riddle, blah, 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 blah. Um, so up to that point, I thought it was fine, but I think this episode doesn't stick to landing, and I think there's more interesting things they could have done. Like I said... Um, they could have maybe flushed out the Charlotte Bickles character a little bit, made her either be more of a villain or more of a sympathetic character. That could have been a different angle this episode takes. 
but I don't know. Solid first half, and then it kind of spirals at the end. I don't think I like this episode very much at all. Like, mm-hmm. there's there's not a whole lot that I like, and I don't want to dump on it too much because the, they... I like the dream sequence is good. I forgot to yes. mention. I keep it's almost so good that you forget it's part of this episode. That's uh, that's that's the best part of the episode, I would say, and I and I, and I mean that is like it's you know not just good in a series of things I don't like. It's also like it's just good on its own. Yeah. Like, um, and I kind of like how they played with it a little bit. Like they took the concept of like Arthur on a game show and they kind of did some, did some stuff with it. That was kind of interesting. Like his friends coaching him and Arthur kind of getting anxious and it ending up costing him and some of, and you know, some of the riddles and all that kind of stuff. And of course I, my man, Alex Trebek over here, I thought that that was a very good part of very good, very good guest casting, but I don't know. Like it's, it just kind of didn't do much for me. Um, the animation, I'd say, is the better of the two, but I also kind of found it subpar, not really all that great looking. Um, I think Arthur's Arthur's voice is Arthur's voice is fine. I don't mind. I don't mind it being where it is. I think we already talked about that. Um, but yeah, it's it's kind of the 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 wrapping that it's in of the cold open and the very ending of like the the BS kind of riddle that it sets you up with it just really left a bad taste in my mouth of just like okay either it's a either it's a either it's an episode with a message or it's an episode that isn't like don't like promise one thing and then do another thing yeah there's like no more there's not even it's not even just that this 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 riddle thing there's also just no moral to this episode like and not every episode has to have a moral but like if they don't have a moral they need to at least make logical sense but it's like why did i don't know i don't even know what this episode's trying to say can you think of there's definitely been a cartoon that did the same thing, but actually did have like a riddle that you could solve, right? Like, didn't isn't there like a SpongeBob episode or, or I mean, I know like Gravity Falls has all kinds of hidden messages and like a whole uh, uh, subtext. Same with stuff like Adventure Time, but isn't there something older that has like a single episode that's like catch all the clues? Can you figure it out the answer? I don't know. I don't think I could think of one off the top of my head, unfortunately. But yeah, this um, this really didn't do much for me. In fact, like I didn't really enjoy it very much at all. Like you said, Charlotte Bickles, not even really all that much of a character, which was, she was more of a plot point, which just kind of made her less interesting. Uh, and it's just kind of like the way that it kind of ended up with like, Oh, Arthur sabotages himself again. It's just like, okay, I feel like I've seen this and seen it done better. So I don't know. Um, then double dare boy, I, I, you know, like I've got it playing in the background here and, the quality of the animation is was really distracting to me through the, this whole episode, and it's strange because a lot of times I, you know, I like I say I try not to talk too much about the animation because, to be honest with you, I kind of because the animation I, cops are coming for you. Well, they're <laughs> they're speeding down the highway. I try not to talk about animation quality too much because I feel like I've said this before. I don't really know what it is that I'm talking about. I don't have the proper language or context to kind of interact with it. But as with I think anybody watching the show, I know when it looks good and I know when it doesn't. And it just didn't. And I was like, wow, this looks really bad. And I don't know why. Um, The episode itself, I don't know. I don't think I like this one either, to be honest with you. Um, it's just, it's just that, like, I don't mind that it starts off like a dare. I think that that's something that definitely kids can relate to, uh, some kids at least. But the way, the way it kind of unfolds, it just seems like 
it's it's meant to be kind of like a maybe a comedy of errors or just like you know one mishap leads to another, but it just kind of didn't have that. You know, maybe it needed more of like a madcap feel or like it needed needed a little bit more energy into it, but it just seemed like th- oh there God. was there wasn't Sorry, a whole just lot. Just second, Will. Just second. Uh, okay, you're good. It just seemed like maybe there wasn't a whole lot at stake here, or like I didn't really care. So, yeah, it. I. I. I yeah, this. It's definitely not the way that I want to start off Arthur Season 5, especially one that I know won the Daytime Emmy with two episodes that I kind of don't really like. Um, I'm actually going to disagree with you the rare time. Usually we see pretty close on to eye, but maybe it's because I wasn't paying as close attention to the animation. I was purely looking at it from a story perspective. But I kind of like Double Dare. Sure, it's not my favorite Arthur episode, uh, but I like I love the cold open. Of Arthur hanging through the window, immediately it gets you thinking, like, okay, what's going on here? Like, why is Arthur hanging out of this window? Um, I liked, uh, uh, sort of, there was a moment where I kind of got excited because I thought this episode was going to be, like, an Ocean 6-style thing when Brain had, like, the plans laid out and they were going to all sneak into this bush. Um, and I liked the aspect of the clam. Well, and I, I, I liked the, the dream sequence and uh, sort of the kids, uh, Buster trying to call it all off. Um, and then I, I, I liked, uh, Binky's, Binky's, I think it's, it's a episode that kind of, it doesn't reach the sum of its parts. Like there's a lot of moments in this episode I really enjoy. There's the ending with Mr. Rapper in the teacher's lounge. There's a part where Binky's trying to be the distraction. There's Arthur falling through the window. There's the dream sequence with the clam. I like all those things, but you're right. It doesn't really come up to like the greatest, most standout hole. I just like certain aspects of it. There's certain, maybe it's because I have a certain nostalgia for it when I was a little kid. But there are moments in this episode that I find very memorable. Well, well, and you and you just said something right there that I immediately find more interesting. Of like, what if this was like kind of like a heist thing where it's like, yeah. where it's like, if if it had a little a little bit of air of like fun to it, but I feel like it takes itself a bit too seriously. It's because if you just make like, skipping school too fun, kids are gonna want to do it. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. I and you know what? Maybe it is a, a, a different a separation between the kid and adult in me of just like knowing now that it's like. So you skip, so you skip school one day and you got in trouble for it. It's just like, okay, well, whatever. Like I know that that isn't, but but when you're that young, it can feel like a big thing to be like, oh, skipping school. And of course, that's how it felt like to me. So maybe it's just how it's changed. But you know, it doesn't, it doesn't have much for me as an adult, which is hardly a sin or anything like that. It's just, just my opinion. Do you know what's better and more fun than both of these episodes? What's that? No love, DW on YouTube. <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> I'm okay. so excited to hear what you think. I can't. I can't wait to watch this. Uh, yeah, and there you go. That's the start of season five. <laughs> I mean, a bit of an inauspicious start, unfortunately. But I, uh, I hope that this one will uh, have nowhere to go but up. And certainly, if it's the Emmy, if it's the Emmy winning season, and compared to the other seasons we've had, it's got to be good, right? So, and hey, uh-huh. even if this season's not good, real life IRL uh, Arthur John Legend, after these most recent Emmys, is now an EGOT winner so there's always that word up all right that's going to do it for elwood city limits back at it again and hopefully back at it a bit more regularly and all right let's talk about the ways that you can get at us in fact we've just added a new one that i'm going to make sure that i get correct here uh so of course facebook.com slash elwood city limits follow us over there please and thank you uh on twitter we are at 
ECL Podcast. Make sure to give us a follow over there. On Tumblr, we are uh, elwoodcitylimits.tumblr.com. Uh, follow us over there, and uh, we'll, we'll be forever grateful. In fact, send us an ask. And now uh, we are on Instagram. Instagram dot, Instagram.com slash Elwood City Limits. I'm going to be putting up images there uh, fairly soon, Gotta see I that hope. skeptical picture of DW. Yes, that is I'm definitely part of it. I'm following it right now. What is it, what is it again for all the listeners at home and myself? Instagram.com slash Elwood City Limits. All right, or just at Elwood City Limits, I'm assuming? Yes. Yeah, I believe so. Uh, right, because, right, you would be looking at it on your app. See, I've got to, see, now I've got to download the Instagram app and all this kind of new kid stuff. I d- don't expect an, don't expect an Elwood City Limits Snapchat. That's a little bit beyond my powers. <laughs> uh, if you want to send us an email, like, uh, Norbert and many of other, our other great fans, ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. If you want to support us on Patreon, we are on Patreon.com slash Limits. On weeks where we're not able to do a regular episode, you can find the Fill a Buster, which is where Lucas and I talk about what we've been doing, uh, in the week off, the quote-unquote week off. Sometimes Lucas and I have work or school or something getting in the way. But or it's always... like this past week's filibuster where I am deathly ill. Yeah. I haven't I... gone back and listened to that episode, but I can't imagine what it sounds like. I was yes. in a haze of Dayquil. And... <laughs> you don't sound too bad. It was just uh, a lot shorter than I was used to seeing. It's like, oh, it's... Lucas sent me two and a half minutes of audio. He must really be sick. <laughs> uh, yeah. And um, yeah, so on, like, on the most recent one we talked about, Lucas, you were playing Donut County, and I was watching Twin Peaks. So a little something what's going on in our real life. Plus, we will uh, give you all kinds of cool stuff for as little as a dollar a month. And we just put up a new goal there. Once we hit 10 patrons, I'm going to be creating a uh, patrons-only Discord server where you can talk to me and Lucas about uh, Arthur and all kinds of other stuff. Maybe we'll even uh, organize some streams or something. I don't know. We'll see. We'll have to get. We'll, let's get to 10 first, and we'll figure it out. And, of course, you can find the podcast on Google Play. You can find us on Apple Podcasts or at elwoodcitylimits.libsyn.com, L-I-B-S-Y-N. And one more time, uh, it is Saturday the 15th at midnight. Today, rush out today. Today, today, it's your last chance. You're listening to this right now. Just open up your phone, close the podcast app, do whatever you can. Go to bestofhalifax.com, scroll down to News and Media, Vote for Elwood City Limits for Best Podcast. And hey, while you're there, you can vote for some of the other stuff too. I don't know. Vote for Josh Owen to be Best Filmmaker. Vote for Tony Mancini to be Best Counselor. But most importantly, vote for Elwood City Limits to be the Best Podcast. And we will update you guys uh, on our standings, win, lose, or draw, whenever they are tabulated. Do you know how long that those usually take? Ooh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a while. It might not be until late October, November until we hear uh until the actual official best of issue gets made uh but hey if we're in it that you you're gonna see pictures of that let me tell you big time uh, coming up next time here on elwood city limits we continue on to season five with the double header of kids are from earth parents are from pluto and nerves of steel steel spelled s-t-e-a-l and that's gonna do it for elwood city limits today uh have a good time at your school year this year keep us with you on your podcast app so you can uh 
you know, if you're if you're choosing to skip school, skip school with Elwood City Limits, or don't skip school. You know, we're we're not going to endorse that kind of thing. I'm just saying, if you're already doing that, then you know, use that extra time to listen to more Elwood City Limits. My name's Will Young, and for Lucas Mancini, I don't want to go to work. I want to go to school. We'll see you next time.